When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game. Feed off the line by Steph Horton. Including the Women's Super League. Ellen White is there to tap it in. And the Euro 2021 qualifiers. On the edge of the area to Emsley. And Emsley's going to finish it off. World-beating big match conversation. There's Jodie Taylor. On the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scores. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. Hello, good evening and welcome to Women's Football Weekly with me, Faker Others. We're still here keeping you fully up to date with the latest news in the women's game during these uncertain times. This week, our Player of the Week is England and Lyon defender Alex Greenwood. She's back in the UK during lockdown and ready to give you a behind-the-scenes look at what she's been up to. Women's football writer Rich Laverty will bring you all the latest on talks to resume the WSL and Championship seasons. And we'll find out how academy and youth setups are surviving as well. Women's Football Weekly with Fake Carruthers. Hi, I'm Frank Kirby, and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. First, though, I want to hear from you guys. This week, please tell me what your favourite women's football ground is and why. I know none of us are able to be there at the moment, but perhaps you're dreaming of going back to Chelsea's Kings Meadow or Sheffield United's ProAct Stadium. Let us know. You can tweet us at TalkSport2 or use the hashtag TSWFW and we'll read out all of your tweets and thoughts throughout the show. Uh, No football? No problem here on Women's Football Weekly. We've still got plenty to talk about. Always news and developments in the world of football, of course. And that's what women's football writer Rich Laverty is here to update you on. Rich, good to speak to you. What have you been up to? Ooh, I wish I was up to a bit more, Faye, if I'm being honest. Don't but, we all? Um, I know, I'm trying to keep busy. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's always news happening in football, isn't there? It's just a different kind of news at the moment, so waiting to get back to some kind of normality, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. What have you been up to? Any good stories that you've got up your sleeve for us? Um, we got a... Yeah, there's a few little bits coming out that I've been working on, fortunately, that were kind of lined up um, before all this happened. You know, I'm, I'm a feature writer, first and foremost, so, you know, being the match reporters, I think, have been a bit more affected. Um, obviously, my role with Sheffield United has been more affected, but... Yeah, I've got a few things on the go and um, like I said, it's just finding ways of of keeping busy at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, On Thursday though, I mean, this did 
keep us all busy. Confirmed by the FA that the season four tiers three to seven of the women's game definitely over. Of, of course, they announced that a couple of weeks ago, but you know, various appeals lodged, but they finally ratified that original decision. Do you think it was the right one? It's a really difficult one. I, I don't think we'll know maybe whether it's the right one for a few months until this has settled down and, and we find out what's happening also with Premier League, EFL and, and obviously WSL and the Championship as well. I, I think what surprised me was the speed of it. I just think I, I don't really understand what the rush is. You know, we're not you know, we keep being told the Premier League, the WSL, etc. that the last thing they're talking about at the moment is voiding the season. So why are they so desperate to do it with the lower tiers? And, and people say it's to do with money. And, you know, it kind of backs that theory up when you, you can't really think of another logical reason to to avoid them. You know, and it doesn't seem like the clubs, not all of them, especially the women's clubs, were not particularly consulted on it. It seems a lot of clubs are not happy. Obviously, I think over 60 put an appeal in there's still some clubs that are unhappy now even that it's been ratified so i think we're still going to hear a lot about it and, and you know it makes me wonder if the the season does continue and we go on to you know september october what do these clubs do do they restart as normal in august or do they have to sit around and and twiddle their thumbs you know for another five six seven months until we've all got our seasons finished so I'm just a little bit baffled by it. It may turn out to be the right decision. It may turn out that everything gets voided, and I don't think we can we can guess either way yet. But I was just surprised more than anything. I just didn't see what the rush was to to make that decision. Do you know what? I haven't actually thought about that. What are they going to do? As you say, I don't know. you know, it, 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 it's crazy to think that they may have to wait potentially. I mean, they're saying, aren't they, that they would hope? Well, the EFL certainly have said in the last couple of days that they would hope to be able to get the rest of the um, championship season done. For example, um, in a two month period. So if you know, and this is all speculation. Obviously, if we were to resume in July or August, that takes us up to um, September or October. And so really, you couldn't then start another season until November. And mm. so, as you say, that there'd, there'd, there'd be months more for them to wait. Yeah, I don't obviously know what the financial then implications are about for these teams, especially, you know, the ones down the lower end of the pyramid that don't have a lot of money, whether that's men's or women's teams. So... Yeah, I, I just I'd be interested to know what the reasoning was that went into that, and obviously what their plans are for those leagues moving forward. Are they going to restart as normal, or are they going to have to wait for everybody else? It, it just seems, it, it just seems a really bizarre thing to have made that decision so quick. You know, when we're only in April, and, and that's the one thing I can't really get my head around. Mm. Rebecca Myers in the Times over the weekend highlighted a number of concerns with been discussing here on Women's Football Weekly since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Financially, the one that I find most baffling, in addition to the one that we've just spoke about, is there's, there's also not been an official announcement on any specific financial relief for the women's game. The FA have just said they're in consultation with clubs, but, you know, no relief fund like the EFL have announced, for example. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I hope there is going forward because I, I do fear for, you know, I mean, we're talking about the National League, obviously, that has been, you know, voided. But even in the championship, you know, you've got independent teams. You've got teams like London Bees and, you know, your Durhams and your London Cities and, you know, even teams that are linked with, with clubs lower down the pyramid, you know, Charlton and, and you go even further down to teams like Lewis. Mm. So, 
you know, the, the rumours people are talking about, you know, is licensing going to be opened up again because the FA are worried that some teams, you know, might drop out of the league. Again, that opens then up a whole new, you know, question about, well, how do you complete the season if, if some of the teams aren't there anymore? But, you know, that's just a, a carry-on effect of everything we're talking about at the moment. So there has to be some relief fund. I mean, it's all well and good saying to teams you have to be financially sustainable, but you know, nobody plans for something like this. Not a single club in the country, men's or women's, has, has planned for this eventuality. You can you can spend as little as you want, and I guarantee every single women's team is frugal with their spending because mm. there's not a lot of it. So there has to be, you know, or else we're going to have a massive shift where we, again, lose a lot of teams just as we were looking for a little bit of, of stability in the women's game, and we just can't let that happen. No. I feel like a stuck record as well because I, I seem to pose this question to to everybody every single week. But despite the Danish FA announcing this at the beginning of April, UEFA themselves have still not confirmed the Women's Euros in 2021 is going to be moved back a year. I know it's a logistical nightmare for them, so perhaps not as much of a priority because it's still a year away in their thinking, but surely they've got to state their intention soon. Yeah, I think you're certainly right in that it's probably not the priority that obviously the men's is just because of the time frame and the fact that the women's Euros is still over a year away. But I, I don't know what the, le- the the legalities are behind when they can announce something in terms of the shift. And do they have to wait for the FA to confirm it? Do the FA have to wait for all the clubs and stadiums and councils that are obviously going to be involved in the tournament? Do they all have to confirm that they can still do that? I, I have no idea what the contracts say with that, but... Yeah, I mean, you would expect some kind of even, you know, just a confirmation, even if there's not a lot of detail in it, because there's no real way now you can have that that tournament next year. The men's Euros has been pushed back into June, July. The Olympics are going to be at the end of July. So, and obviously a lot of the women's players will be involved in that. So there's no possible way you can have that women's tournament next summer now. So it has to be in, in 2022. So I can only think there are some legal reasons for why they haven't done that or like you said maybe they are just so busy with reorganizing the men's tournament that it is a lesser priority because of the time frame and the fact that tournament is now likely going to be over two years away but yeah you, you would expect some kind of confirmation because the fact that there is now two major tournaments next summer means you can't possibly play the women's tournament no, absolutely. Um, you mentioned it y- yourself there. Um, does it almost feel, though, as if the women's leagues are being treated as an afterthought throughout all of this? You t- you touched earlier on on your point about the growth of the game and Norway and Lyon striker Arda Hegerberg came out this week and said, uh, I'll, I'll read the quote out, it's very, very important. Women's football doesn't lose position. Obviously, men's football is in first place with all the questions about money and when leagues will restart. But it's very important. Women's football pushes for position as well. We will be sitting in the second row in all of this, but we can't fade into the background. I mean, very important words there. Yeah, I mean, I hope it doesn't, obviously. And I think... Again, it's kind of all is buts and maybes, and I think whatever happens, I think every league is going to probably get more attention just because of what's happened. You know, when the women's game comes back, I think people will be more curious about what happens. Are there fans allowed in? You know, who's going to win the league? You know, who's going to get promoted from the championship? And because we've now waited so long for this to happen, but depending on on how it does all pan out, it might actually be a positive. And again, you know, I'm speculating because nobody really knows 
what's going to happen. But, you know, we've had the big discussion and people talk about it every day about will games come back behind closed doors? And I think particularly in the Premier League where you have 50, 60, 70,000 people, I can't comprehend, you know, full stadiums like that in the current situation. Whereas in the Championship and in the WSL, you've got a few hundred people going to some grounds that hold over 10,000 people. So it might be possible for women's teams to have fans and therefore... You know, does that then open a door for, for men's fans that have been starved of football and can't actually go and watch their clubs? Can they differentiate that, though? I mean, I, I absolutely, yeah, I mean, I absolutely it's, it's see difficult. your point. It is, it is difficult, don't get me wrong. And, and like you said, you know, it, it is all ifs, buts and maybes at the moment, you know, because nobody knows what's going to happen. But, you know, it, it might not be a one-size-fits-all thing. You know, some teams play in very small stadiums where people are crowded in, you know, you take teams like Sheffield United who play at the Pro Act and, and London Bees who play at the Hive, two stadiums that hold over 10,000 people and you get crowds of three, 400, maybe they could do it. But like you say, I think they would have to make it a, a one-size-fits-all thing. It wouldn't be fair for some teams to have no. fans and, and some not to. But, you know, it could be something that works. It's all speculation, but it, it, it might be something that puts, you know, the, the women's game in the, in the, the forefront if if they can have fans in, and maybe some of the bigger leagues can't. This is why I really like you, Rich, because you put a positive spin on everything because everybody else I've spoken to has all these concerns about what it could do damage-wise to to the growth of the women's game, bearing in mind the buzz of last year's World Cup, building up to this year's Olympics, which has now been moved, all of those kind of things. And you're actually saying it could potentially be an opportunity. So what do the FA need to do in terms of trying to turn it into something positive? Yeah, I mean, uh, touching upon what we said earlier, they have to make sure that the clubs don't fall by the wayside. You know, if the WSL restarts and the championship restarts, it has to be with the teams, you know, that that, that were playing at the start of March when the league was carrying on as normal. You know, if we lose any team from either league, you know, it would be a travesty, you know, at this stage in the season because of something that's completely out of their control. And that goes back to financial support there has to be a proper plan in place for these teams to survive there has to be a proper plan in place for them to be able to play their games whether it's at their stadiums or not at their stadiums and and you know moving forward you know talk about positives but another positive might be that you know we have three major tournaments in three consecutive years now you know the olympics next year the euros in 2022 and the world cup in in 2023 you know three massive tournaments for the women's game three massive tournaments for, for England slash Team GB. So, again, it, it is all if, buts and maybes because we've got no idea when the season will restart, if it will restart. So, I think um, we've got to try and be positive about it, at least at the moment, and hope that, that things do go back to normal sooner rather than later and, and we can finish the season and we can get crowds in and, and then look towards next season whenever that time may be. Very well said. Glass half full. And you've mentioned this stadium twice, at least twice already. And you've alluded to the fact you may well be um, uh, quite heavily involved with Sheffield United. But just finally, before I let you go, we're asking everybody what their favourite women's football ground is and why. You obviously have been to many, if not all of them. So what's yours? Yeah, I like that you mentioned the Pro Act at the start. Um, <laughs> I'd definitely put that one up there for obvious reasons. Um yeah, I, I always enjoy going to the CFA at Man City. I think from a media point of view, obviously, it's incredibly modern and the facilities are excellent. I think 
I always used to like going to Doncaster Bells, you know, when they played at the Keep Mutt. Um, it was a very family feel there. I think further afield, you know, you know as well as I do, Faye, out of the World Cup last year, the stadiums out there were fantastic. Oh, you yeah. know, particularly Leon and Nice, you know, the stadiums were out of this world compared to anything we used to hear. Um, yeah, I, I think from a work point of view and the fact that I've been there probably more than any other stadium, you know, the CFA is a next level for um, for media and for facilities and how modern it is. I know some fans don't disagree, but probably from where I've worked at the most, um, I'll probably go with, with that one. Love it. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to us, Rich. Really interesting points there. I hope to speak to you again uh, shortly. Rich Laverty there, women's football writer. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Faker Ruthers. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows, you can now catch up by downloading our podcast. It's available on Spotify and iTunes. Today's show is going to be available to download from 4 o'clock tomorrow. Now, can you really keep a lioness locked up? England and Leon's Alex Greenwood is next. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hello, this is Farah from Reading FC Women. You're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers. Lovely to have you along with us. Today, we're asking you to tell us what is your favourite women's football ground and why. Tweet us at TalkSport 2 or you can use the hashtag TSWFW and we'll read out your tweets throughout the show. Antonia has been in touch. She says, miss the lovely atmosphere at King's Meadow on match day. By far my favourite. And Marie is a big Hammers fan. She says she's missing her match day routine, walking to Rush Green. Great stadium to visit as it's where they train too. It is indeed Marie and Antonia. Thank you very much. You can tweet us at TalkSport2 or use the hashtag TSWFW. Now, throughout lockdown, we of course want to keep you in touch with the top players during these uncertain times and we usually would do here on Women's Football Weekly. So we're still doing it. And this week, you have England and Leon defender Alex Greenwood as company. Alex, lovely to chat to you. It's been a while. How are you doing? Hi, Faye. Yeah, all good, thanks. Hope you're all right. Yeah, all good here, thank you. You're back in the UK, aren't you, instead of France? Yeah, yeah, I'm back home now. I've been home for a few weeks. Wonderful. And and how is it? At least you've brought some of the French sunshine over you, uh, over with you, which is uh, uh, very well received. Yeah, yeah, it helps, I suppose, in situations like this. It's, it's nice to have the sun out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for our listeners who don't know, your boyfriend is Sheffield United's Jack O'Connell, so I'm presuming you've got all the gym equipment you need at home and at least someone you can practice some skills with. <laughs> yeah, we're we're quite lucky. We've got we've got a really good gym in ours and um like you said, we we can um replicate our, our gym programmes together. Um, you know, when you've got your one hour a day to, to head to the field, it's I'm quite lucky that we can we can both do that together really. So it's been good motivation. Absolutely. Give it, make us all jealous. Tell us how you've kitted it out. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've, we've got most things, um, you know, treadmill, what bike weights and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's been kind of easy for us to, to follow a programme. Um, but to be honest with you, the, the best part of the day is probably getting out on the field and, and getting some fresh air. So as much as we've got all the gym equipment, uh, I'm enjoying getting to the field and going a bit old school, I think. Oh, brilliant. Old school. What have you been doing? Um, jumpers as goalposts? <laughs> yeah, 
trainers as cones, jumpers as goalposts. It's, it's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Um, just on your training, I mean, I know you can keep up your gym work and everything else, and it almost feels a little bit like rehab, maybe. But you know, it's it's not quite match fitness, is it? How do you keep that up? No, it's not. And, and to be honest, you're never really going to get a, a 90 minute football match um, replication in, in training. And, that can be quite difficult, but, you know, as, as best as you can, you can get in your heart rate zones and, you know, that's that's monitored by your, your heart rate apps, watches and stuff like that. And, you know, p- position-specific type running. Um, just been trying to stay on top of that, really. And, and like you said, the, the weight, the strength programme. So, yeah, it, it's difficult and you're never going to get uh, the same as, as a, a game outcome, but as close as you can is, is good enough at the moment. What, what have Leon been doing with you? Are you on a specific training program are they monitoring you from afar yeah well i think um over, over in france their their situation's a little bit different to ours i think their lockdown's a little bit more um is it is is tighter than ours so i'm not sure they're allowed us allowed to head to a field and stuff so i'm still able to do that um so i can do a bit more position specific stuff um whereas there's more hip intervals what bikes and it's you know the the um strength coach there is has mixed it up really well, to be fair to him. Um, but yeah, all fun and, and trying to keep people entertained every day, which which can be hard sometimes. Yeah, I, I presume you've got WhatsApp groups and things to keep in touch. Now, you weren't sure what time you could come on Women's Football Weekly tonight because you got some kind of team quiz. Tell me more about that. Yeah, well, we were actually meant to have a line of team quiz tonight. Um, it's actually been cancelled um, because, you know, we've got players all over the world, um, some in America and stuff like that, and trying to get us all together at the same time at once actually can still prove quite difficult. Um, so that's that's postponed till the end of the week. But, yeah, it's, again, them little things are great, and it's good good laughter and stay in touch with the girls. Who's the quiz master? Uh, Wendy, or media. Um Love Wendy. I could ima- yeah, I can imagine yeah. her organising everybody. Glass of wine in hand. Absolutely. <laughs> She's brilliant. Excellent. We've got Bev Priestman on, uh, England assistant manager, next week uh, as well. So we'll find out who ended up winning that quiz. I presume that Bev will be taking part. As she, yeah, she better be. I'm not, I'm not sure she'll make an excuse and try and get out of it or something, but yeah. Yeah, she better be involved. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, we haven't actually properly spoken to you on Women's Football Weekly since you made the move from Manchester United to Lyon in the summer. I know we've kept in touch on text, but it's great to actually be able to get you on and and tell our listeners because it was a pretty big decision for you. You you admitted at the time it was a bit of a risk. What are you learning out there that you couldn't have learned in the WSL? Yeah, like like you said, it was it was a massive decision. Um, you know, from people looking out, they would probably say, "Well, why?" You know, you just just got promoted WSL where we wanted to be as a club. I was the captain, um, and I was at home. In essence, I was really happy. I probably couldn't have been happier. Um, I had everything I wanted really. So after me saying all that, people probably think, "Well, you know, why why would you you leave?" But I was I'm 25 at the time, and you know, not not many opportunities come come your way like signing for Leon and I just felt at that stage of my career I didn't think it'd happen again um, and for me it was kind of too big of an opportunity to then to turn down um, and to be truthfully honest with you I was flying over to France and I still wasn't sure if I was going to sign that's, that's how much of a big decision it was and I weighed everything up and spoke to people closest to me and you know I think you know, now look I've learned so much about myself um, <laughs> trying to, to learn a little bit of French along the way and 
you know, just a different culture, mentality, and it is different over there in that respect. And I've learned, I have learned a lot about myself and probably grew up a lot as well. That, that's pretty cool. I mean, a lot of people don't ever get the opportunity to, to live abroad um, when they're younger, live and work abroad as well. Mm-hmm. You, you've had a bit of a hand, though, because, of course, Lucy Bronze, your Lioness teammate, and um, up till recently, Izzy Christensen, and, of course, uh, Nikita Paris as well are, are yeah. all that out there. How much does that help? Oh, yeah, massively. Um, Lucy's been great for me and Nikita. Um, you know, she uh, in French as well is brilliant and she's just she's very helpful very caring and you know we're all we're all all on the same team when it comes to England so you know as much as we can help each other out we do and we've got a nice little group of us out there Shanice obviously um Dutch player Kadisha Canadian player we've got a nice group and we stick together and you know me and me and Nikita have come through through everything together since you know our Everton days and we're both on the same part of Liverpool and I think for us to kind of get our friendship back as well, back on track where it used to be, has been has been really nice. So, yeah, we're, we've gone from from Liverpool to Leon, so it's, it's not too bad. You've gone full circle. We'll get you back in the WSL soon, I hope. Obviously, you've got things to win out in France first of all. But what's it like playing with Arda Hegerberg, Ballon d'Or winner, Wendy Renard, Omandine Henri, players like that? Yeah, you've just mentioned only a handful of the players. I know. Well, um, I couldn't list the whole squad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You just go the whole way through, I suppose. But, yeah, you know, every day training with them players, you, you, you're only going to improve from training, um, uh, let alone the games. And, you know, it's, that level of intensity every day has, has definitely helped my game push on and, you know, confidence levels. And you try different things with them players because whether they come off or they don't, you know, the top players, you're going to get the ball back, you're going to get the chance to try it again. And it's been fantastic for me to train with them every day and just see their mentality, their winning mentality. And, yeah, like I said, even, you know, Nikita, Lucy, I'm sure they'd say the same thing. Their game has just gone to another level, playing with them players. Mm. Do you think that the, the Barclays FAWSL could learn something from the way Leon do things? Could some of the clubs here learn anything? You know what I think it's for me it's 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 more mentality i think I think in terms of ability and and you know it's individuals I, we're not far away and I think you know that I watch the league now from afar and it's actually some been quite nice to sit back and have a back seat and watch it and the league's improving every year and that that's that goes without saying and I think for me now it's just that mentality of if a team was to come up against Leon it's more we are gonna compete and beat them rather than maybe going, oh, actually, on them, we'll probably only got a slight chance maybe if, if we can beat them, if we can't. So I think it's just shifting that mentality a little bit. And, you know, listen, they've won year in, year out, year in, year out. So that, that mentality comes with winning. And um, I'm sure English teams aren't far away, to be honest. Mm, and we potentially, when football does resume, may get more in the Champions League as well uh, in a year or so's time, which will make it even more competitive. Um, you were obviously captain at United, as you as you said, helped them gain promotion uh, to the WSL. What's been your assessment of their season so far when you've been watching it from France? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. Like I said, yeah, it's been it's actually been quite nice to, to take a back seat and. You know, I've put loyalties to a side and, and just watch watch it um, unfold a little bit. I think they've had they've had a really good first season. They've just carried on where they left off, really. And you know, I didn't I didn't expect any differently from from Casey and and the team there. And um, they got some fantastic individuals, and they are a top top side. And I can I can only see them improving. 
but again, like I said, I think the league as a whole has improved again, and you know the top three they're fighting for Champions League and the, and to the WSL. I think it's it's been great to watch and attendances have improved so you know I hope that continues. Yeah there's been massive growth and obviously with what's going on in the world at the moment football massively takes a huge back seat obviously but when we kind of focus down on it you know outside of the bigger picture if you like and and Mm -hmm. see the growth of the women's game that that there is a concern that this could put it back a a little bit. Um, Your teammate um, Arda Hegerberg came out this week and basically said it was important that women's football doesn't lose position. Um, mm-hmm. Explaining that women's football is sitting in the second row, for example, with men's football in the first row, but wants to make sure that it doesn't fade into the background. D- do you feel, you know, with the fact there's been no announcement that um, the women's Euros in 2021 is definitely going to move to 2022 yet. Do you feel like the women's leagues have kind of been treated as an afterthought throughout all of this? Uh, it's hard for me to say because I, I get where I get what where you're coming from in terms of been no announcements. Obviously, us as players are still unsure when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, when the leagues are going to resume, if they are, if they're not. Um, so that uncertainty is not not nice, and it, it is it is an uneasy feeling. But like you said, I think first and foremost, let's let's make sure it gets done properly, and people are healthy and safe first and foremost. And then obviously we concentrate on when it happens, how it happens, and I, I think you know, like I, like I said, we don't want it to take a back seat and become secondary to to the men's game. Um, they've made the decision on the men's Euros, and we're obviously now waiting to see what happens with ours and. Whenever that is, we'll we'll prepare properly for it, and you know it, it's it, it is what it is. And at the moment, we've just got to stay focused on on what's next, really. And, and that for us now is is the Olympics. Yeah, gosh, and Olympics next year as well. Now, I mean, it, all that preparation. I, I saw that Jill Scott had been saying she hopes she's <laughs> going to be ready. I mean, she could go on forever, couldn't she, Jill Scott? Or we certainly hope she did. By the way, if nobody's seen Twitter yet today, go and have a look at her obvious Jill um, <laughs> message. She walks into a door frame. It's very funny. Um, anyway, just before I let you go, Alex, any unexpected hobbies you found? Whilst in whilst in lockdown, anything that surprised yourself? Any baking, Sudoku, anything else? I've give baking a go. To be fair, um, you know, I've seen everyone on Instagram, you know, doing the banana bread, and I've just fancied the go. So, it, I mean, mine does not look like anyone else's on Instagram. So I'm not sure if they're everyone's banana bread, but yeah, I've been having a go, and it's it's just more for fun, really, and to you know pass the time, but. Yeah, give bacon a go, but I'm not sure how to carry on. Right, well, I'll give you my address and uh, you can post me some banana bread and I'll let you know how you do. Uh, yeah, just, not a problem. Just finally, uh, we're asking everybody in today's show what their favourite women's football ground is and why. Yeah. Obviously, you've played in many grounds. Which one was your favourite? Do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a bit different here. I'm, I'm going to go for Marine in Crosby. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember it. No, I don't. Yeah. It's where I started out with Everton. Um, so we played there in our early days, early Super League days and Women's Super League days. And um, for me, it was a fortress. Like any team that came to Marine, you know, knew was in for a game against Everton. And I can honestly say, I, I made my debut there. I played with some top players, Farah, Rachel Unit, Jill Scott, Tony Duggan, Michelle Hinnigan. I could go on and on. And I, you know, I had some. I watched all my idols there. Was managed by Mo Marley there, Andy Spence, and I had some fantastic memories there. Obviously, you know, I made some brilliant memories last year at Labour. 
for me in my memory bank, I always go back to today, Marine. It was just they were the best days for me. And I, you know, me and the Keith were actually speaking about that the other day. Funny enough that you know anyone who came to Marine knew they were in for a game. Love that. Absolutely love that. That's my favourite so far. I'll be putting that out there again. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. Oh, Enjoy uh, the rest of the lockdown with, with Jack and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks. Take care. Take care. Uh, England and Leon defender Alex Greenwood there, of course. This is Women's Football Weekly with me, Faker Others, on Talk Sport 2. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows, you can catch up by subscribing to our new podcast. Women's Football Weekly is available for download on Spotify and all Apple products as well. Uh, now, are Academy and Youth setups still functioning during lockdown? We're going to be heading to the West Midlands to find out next. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Ashley from Putnam Hotspur and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Faye Carruthers. Today we're asking, what is your favourite women's football ground and why? Here's a tweet from Sue. She says, as a Man United fan, the Lee Sports Village is a great stadium and pitch, but two issues for her. It's not in Manchester and it doesn't serve chips. This year in the WSL, I enjoyed King's Meadow, she said. Well, maybe uh, Lee Sport Village uh, needs to start serving chips and then Sue will put you first. Uh, Sam says, the ground I'm looking forward to going back to is Sheffield United's ProAct Stadium because of uh, this being the place my beloved Blades play. Not the first time we've heard that. Sam, Rich Laverty, women's football writer, also one of his favourites too. We want you guys to get involved. Tweet us at TalkSport2 or use the hashtag TSWFW. We'll read out the rest of your tweets at the end of the show. Uh, now, here on Women's Football Weekly, we want to bring you voices from all different levels of the women's game. We've spoken to players and managers throughout the leagues. But now, let's chat to a couple of youth coaches on how they're keeping young 
youngsters engaged with their clubs during the lockdown. Uh, Birmingham City's head of youth, Paul Cowie, and women's youth coach, Andy Ellery. Uh, welcome to Talk Sport 2, both of you. Uh, Paul, I'll start with you. Can you provide us some kind of insight as to how the youth teams are functioning during lockdown? Must be quite difficult. Yeah, hi, Faye. Um, good to speak to you, first of all. Um, yeah, very, very difficult, like with the current circumstances with the, with the youth players. Um, one, because you don't know where, what they've got, what, what they can do, what they can't do. Um, our main functions are really are to sort of, we've engaged by getting to group texts, group emails, um, to the parents from the 9s to 16s in majority of the time. We've got a players' WhatsApp group for the academy lot that we've tried to engage them through. Um, video calls, and then the main one's been um, the video calls that we've done. Um, actually, just engaging with the players, whether that's in small groups or even in large groups, um, just to see how they're getting on, really. Yeah, and how are they all coping? Um, very, very well, to be honest. Um, I think that's a lot down to their parents, um, who, are, who have been brilliant with them, kind of thing. Obviously, engaging them through obviously schoolwork and then through their footballing. I think first of all. And then through the staff that have engaged via via text or via these video calls, um, just to check in with the players and just see how they're generally doing. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, positives at the moment. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. Um, Andy, hello. You're specifically a goalkeeping coach, I understand. I suppose that makes things even tougher for you. Uh, so how are you kind of keeping the players' technical skills going? I'm assuming that most of them don't have Batak machines at home. Yeah, no, they don't know that I know of anyway. Um, I mean, we keepers like to do things differently anyway, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got some home programmes that look at some of the more basic skills, such as your catch, and your dive and your footwork. Um, so it's just getting the kids to use walls, like rebound nets, uh, using other people as servers. So I've seen a few videos from the parents serving them. To be fair, their accuracy leaves a lot to be desired. So it's not great. <laughs> but, but obviously, they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of doing what they can, which is brilliant. Um, and also, we've got some individual and uh, position-specific gym plans so where the keepers can work on their speed, their strength, their agility, and these don't require hardly any equipment. So they can do them wherever, when the house, the garden, the park. And some of our STC guys have been using Zoom to take tutorials and almost kind of run a session remotely, which is quality. Um, so we've done a couple of tasks as well with the girls that design their own gloves. And we've also made it a video um, of the girls doing saves throughout the week. So if anyone wants to see that, it's on, it's on my Twitter account. Um, so really, we've been using this time really productively, to be honest. They've designed their own gloves. Talk me through this. Yeah, so I sent them out a blank template and basically the brief was design your own gloves. Um, as soon as we're back from lockdown, you're going to be wearing the gloves and design them around like your personality. Um, if there's anything you want to go on them in terms of colours, design, so to kind of be creative, be creative as possible. Um, and the, the ones that have come back have been absolutely brilliant. So again, we've, I've put them all over social media and who knows, hopefully when we're back, we, can, we might be able to get some of them made up. Oh, we'll certainly have a look at, certainly have a look at those. What's the best one that you've seen? Brightly coloured or, or slightly more demure? Uh, well, there's, there's been a few quite brightly coloured ones, but I think there's, there's one from a girl, Sass, and she, she did one around, obviously, some of the things that she's just going through family-wise at the minute, which is, which is really good to see in terms of being able to support her family with, with some situations that are going on at the minute. So in terms of like a really personal really personal level that that was that was brilliant to see really love that uh paul you've got teams from ages 9 uh, to 21 i understand up to the senior teams uh, as well what kind of different programs and creative ways are you keeping the players focused to develop their game 
Um, well, lots of different ways, as many as we can, really. Um, like I said, we've, we've used the, the Zoom calls quite a lot, um, which have been really productive. Um, within those, I mean, obviously, the little ones up to the older ones, they vary in terms of what we've been doing. A couple of things with the little ones, we've had um, pick a seven-a-side team, but they could only pick players from Birmingham City. Um, <laughs> so that, that could engage them from their own team all the way up to the first team. Some of the girls picked just first-team players. A few others actually went through and had a few um, under-16s in an under-dead, like they were in under-10s. They had a few under-16s, academy players, and then first-team players as well, which was quite nice to see that, I suppose, they know who they are, mm. um, and even the ones higher up. So, and that, I suppose that just shows what we're about as a club, being a family club, being all-inclusive like throughout the ages. Important uh, to have role models. Yeah, yeah, uh, and a lot of the young ones do look up to the 16s, and then we've got the 16s looking up, go, where's the next step, which is the academy, and then the academy up to the first team, so that there's a continuous pathway at the club. Um, and I, Well, the girls can see it, and I still think the girls see each other as role models, the ones in higher age groups, um, and we've tried to keep that going as much as we can while we've been off. Um, but again, that obviously throws up problems. Um <laughs> I was going to ask you, obviously, we don't know how long this is this is going to last for. Um, it, is there any kind of concern that, you know, we're at a key part of their development um, for, for some of these girls? Is there a worry that they could, could, could go backwards a little bit? Um, I suppose is, we've had this conversation. I suppose there is a worry they could. Um, but I also think that the drive from... Um, the players themselves that sometimes I think a lot of some of them could even come back in a better position than when we actually were what we might expect them to because obviously we're all going to have expectations about how the players are going to come back physically mentally and all that um some of the players the work they've been doing um that we've seen come back from the parents like just technical practices um the physical stuff that the S&C coaches have been working on them via zoom they're doing loads out there. So I think a lot of the players will come back in a really, really good and strong position. Um, and I, again, I've said it before, I think that's down to the, the staff that are setting the challenges um, to actually make sure that they can actually come back in a really, really positive mindset and a, a positive way, physically, mentally, technically. Um, and that's a challenge for us to still keep pushing them. Yeah, exactly right, Paul, because mental health just as important as physical health. How else are you helping them off the pitch? Um, it's just the constant check-ins, really. I mean, the best one we had was, again, coping with them. We had the 16s in the academy, had a chat with Kez Harris, who's the first team captain. Mm -hmm. We've had, um, a, had her on Women's Football Weekly a couple of times. Uh, brilliant, yeah. Kez, I mean, Kez is brilliant with the younger kids anyway. Um, she just had a, a chat with them around what are they actually doing and then a lot of the conversations actually built into Kez was doing exactly the same kind of thing. So it just showed that even the, the 16th the academy players are in the same position as the first team players um, and stuff like that we've been doing really just to touch base with them. There's lots of things we've done with the... Um, there's a mental health chat we've called um, If You Care, Share. Um, that's out there and they've put stuff our way, which we've sent out to the players and parents. And I suppose the other one is we've just been said to the players' parents, we're on the end of a phone if you ever need us, um, kind of thing, or a call, and, and just being open for them whenever they possibly might have needed the chat, needed a, a kind of help um, and stuff like that, really, just to make sure that 
parents, players, their well-being is in the right place. Yeah, it's so important. Um, Andy, on a personal level, I saw your interview with our friends at She Kicks magazine this morning when I was doing my research on you. Um, you highlighted something that does tend to get overlooked as well, and that's the personal financial implications because you're actually self-employed coaches as well, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's a tough situation at the minute. I mean, not just for me, but for hundreds of coaches. I know I was fortunate enough to work in football for a long time at different levels, and I know people are people are really in the same situation. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't coach for the money. It's, it's about the kids. It's about them, about who you interact with on a daily basis. So when things are kind of normal, you don't really think about the money. You just kind of get on with things, and it's, it's kind of an afterthought. Um, but I think off the back of this lockdown, people will kind of make sure that they're going to safeguard themselves from extreme situations like this. But I guess there's many other many other industries that are facing similar challenges, and, and obviously football, sports coaches are kind of just. Uh, just one of a number um but i guess i'm just kind of using this time to to kind of reach out to anyone who needs to chat and to make sure that i'm staying really positive and keep doing things in terms of working with the girls setting challenges doing things on the internet um, doing my literature um trying to trying to keep active and then i guess just speaking to the speaking to the kids one-on-one and making sure that even though it's an issue for you personally you don't really show it and you kind of you get on with it and you keep strong, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Positivity, really crucial. Uh, Paul, just yeah. finally, um, again, sticking with the financial side of things, how is the youth set up coping financially? Um, because there obviously is a worry, as there is across football, about funding and the, and the drip down um, into important community projects and, of course, youth setups. Yeah, um I mean, look, I mean, I don't know. We don't know where we're going to be, do we? Any of us really, when we come out of this? Currently, um, we've got the funding and everything that allows the staff to still be able to be uh, involved when they're doing things with the girls, like we said, um, any on the WhatsApp groups and the Zoom kind of things that they're actually interacting. So we're in a good position at the moment, kind of thing, to continue to function until the end of the season. Um, and then we've got a number of different plans in place looking in for next season. Um, so, look, currently in a good good position, um, we're confident that everything will continue um, at the club kind of thing. So we don't see anything at the moment, but there's lots of things that could happen. But we've got a lot of contingency plans around those. Excellent. Good to hear. Both of you, thanks so much for joining us on uh, Women's Football Weekly. Good luck with everything. Stay in touch as well. Uh, That was uh, Paul Cowie, Head of Youth, and Andy Ellery, Women's Youth Coach at Birmingham City Football Club. I'm Faye Carruthers. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Next up, we're checking in with you. How are you coping without live football? Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Georgia Stanway and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Good to have you with us on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly with me, Faker Others. You've heard from a player, journalist and academy coaches. Now it's your turn. What have you been up to? What do you think should happen with the rest of the WSL and Championship season? Let's talk to Richard Pache from Bristol City Women's Supporters Club and Phil Mullin from Tottenham Women's Supporters Club. Let's start with you, Richard. What have you been up to? And are you now used to life with no football? Yeah, I think I uh, yeah hi say yeah I um I think we are actually now aren't we um yeah being uh being being kept busy um as obviously running the um running the Bristol City Supporters Club we we're still busy doing the um social media posts and uh and all all things like that and um so yeah 
but really missing it. Yeah, I bet. Just when Bristol was starting to get a few points on the board as well. Um, if the rest of the season goes ahead, what do you think should happen? Um, I don't think from well from our point of view, I, I don't because we still we still got a lot of games to. Um, we still need wins, obviously, to stay up. Um, I'd like I'm not a fan of playing behind closed doors. I'd personally like to see it played, you know, if possible, in front of the fans. I mean, because that's what it's all about, to be honest. It's all about the fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we spoke to Natalie, a Manchester United fan, last week. She said she was video calling other supporters to, to keep in touch. If you're not able to meet up at the games, how have you been keeping up in touch with uh, your fellow supporters? Well, we're, um, we've got the um, so we've got our social media um, outlets, um, Bristol City supporters club on twitter and facebook so we're always uh keeping in contact through that and um so yeah you know sort of that's it basically <laughs> we've been asking everybody what their favorite ground is i'm assuming you're going to say stoke gifford yeah it's um yeah stoke gifford's really good i mean it's really good for for fans really to to, to get in uh to get an autographs and yeah we're a, re- we're a lovely little friendly ground we have Absolutely. Thank you, Richard. Let's bring in Phil. How are you? Same question. Uh, what's uh, what's your favourite ground? Do you love the Hive? Uh, I do like the Hive. Uh, however, I think historically, obviously we've only just, only just moved there. Um, for us, I think our previous uh, venue, which was Chesham Football Club, much smaller, um, but very compact, very friendly. Like um, like it's already been said, you can chat with the players afterwards, that kind of stuff. Um, and we won two promotions there. So um, from that perspective, that's my favourite. Excellent. Good memories, good memories. Um, what's the general feeling among Spurs fans? Obviously, you guys mid-table at the moment. So if the season did end immediately in terms of relegation promotion, wouldn't affect you too much. You, you did a poll today, didn't you? That's right. We, we ran a poll on the on Twitter, um, and it came through as the majority was um, to, to avoid the season. Um, although there was still sort of pretty close with uh, to wait and play games, uh, but without fans. But I mean, the number one priority is is health and welfare of, of both players, staff, and fans. So um, I think uh, there, there are no easy. There are no easy solutions and there's pros and cons for whichever option is chosen. Um, but I think, as Rich said earlier on the programme, I think there's no need to necessarily rush it right now. Um, sit and wait, see how how things pan out. Um, and if we can get it done, I think possibly with fans, um, that would be great. But it's just really, really difficult. And as you said earlier, you're asking everybody the same question. And um, I think some guidance from the FA, WSL, would be would be really good because uh, we're not hearing a, a great deal out of them at the moment. No, absolutely. Well said, and that's a perfect point to end on. Thank you, uh, Phil and Richard there, Bristol City and Tottenham fans. Uh, as we've been mentioning throughout today's show, been asking your favourite football grounds. A couple of final tweets for you. Derek says New Ferrens Park in Durham. Great atmosphere, great afternoon out. And Lucy loves going to Boldmere St Michael's FC to watch the mighty Villa. That's it from us at Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. Thanks to England and 
Leon defender Alex Greenwood, women's football writer Rich Laverty, Paul and Andy from Birmingham City Academy and our Bristol City and Spurs fans, Richard and Paul. Don't forget, we are now a podcast, so download us on Spotify and iTunes. Next week, we have England assistant coach and Phil Neville's number two, Bev Priestman, joining us. Don't forget, we're here every Monday on TalkSport 2 from 6 until 7. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Oh, the momentum is with them now. Women's Football Weekly with Faker others. On TalkSport 2. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.